to somebody? Amen. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Can I come over here? Yeah, come over here. You may be seated. God bless you. I'm bringing a young man up here with me. Amen. 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 This is Russ Powell. Russ, how many years young are you? 82. 82. 82. And um, can we get some sound? All right, we're going to get some sound. See that thing right there? Okay. Okay, don't be nervous. <laughs> These people, they all love you. So, okay. All right, go ahead. Tell us what you want to tell us, brother. Okay. I come before you today to express my appreciation for all of your prayers and thoughts and well wishes. I have received a blessing that I am not worthy of receiving. And it's because of all of you. All of y'all used to greet me, well, were greeting me, and the first words I hear was, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And it's your prayers, yeah. your thoughts, yeah. that inspired the Lord to bless me. I was told on Tuesday evening that my cancer is in total remission. Yeah. Woo! Yes! Praise the Lord. And any residue that may be left, I think that's a word he used, is dormant. There is no sign of cancer in my blood work, Amen. in my Lord PET scan, God. my MRI, anywhere. Woo! There is no signs of cancer. That's the Lord. Amen. Praise God. And based on my age, it shouldn't be an issue for me for the rest of the time that the Lord allows me to be here. Amen. But I just wanted to thank all, each and every one of you, because I'm not that worthy of a person. I mean, I've done some terrible things in my life, and I pray the Lord buries them all in the deepest sea of the ocean, Amen. and they never see the light of the day again. But it's because of folks like you. It's because of this church, this pastor. It's the, you all that they helped me through this. God's good. Amen. I never had a day where I was really, really depressed with the cancer. The Lord has blessed me every day, kept Amen. me well. Amen. I, and it's been a long time, but it's been a good time based on the circumstances. Yes, amen. So thank you again, and keep praying for everyone who needs it. Yep. The congregation got me through, and I thank amen. you for that. Amen. Thank you. Amen. God bless. Amen. Hang on. Hang on, buddy. All right. You hold me up so I don't fall, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that, Randolph, huh? Randolph's cancer-free. How many cancer-free folks do we have? You had cancer, and you're cancer-free. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. Praise the Lord. That's good. <clears throat> Whoa, I love to hear those good reports. Now, I know, I know sometimes God will heal a person by taking them home to heaven. Right? Yep. We've got, yep. We know that, don't we? Don't we, Terry? We know that. Absolutely. That's how God heals sometimes. Sometimes he lets us stay a little bit longer and praise the Lord for that good testimony. All right. Amen. I want to talk just for a moment about the upcoming Beast Feast. <clears throat> the upcoming Beast Feast is scheduled for Saturday, March the 5th at 1 p.m. with activities and 4 p.m. for dinner and message and awards at the end. I need you ladies to help us cook up all this venison. All this venison. You can cook venison like you cook deer meat, like deer meat, like you cook beef. Deer meat can be cooked like beef. And uh, we want you 
to make a variety of things, spaghetti, meatloaf, sweet and sour, um, stew, <clears throat> chili, all those things that are good. Help us out with that. And uh, we're going to pass these sign-up boards. I also have, uh, and I'm going to get the men to help, everybody take one of these and give to somebody else as an invitation. So we'll pass the sign-up boards. The second page is you plan to come. You hope to come. The first page is you're going to help. So there's two pages on there. Let's pass these out also. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much. How many of you have been reading your Bible through? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. All right. We should be, <clears throat> when you finish today, it should be what? Leviticus 5? I think that's where we are, right? Should be 3, 4, and 5 today, I think. <clears throat> Luke chapter 6 and 7 today, I think. That's where we're at. So, very different passages of Scripture, but all of them, all of them, Scripture, all of them given by inspiration of God, and all of them profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, <clears throat> for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, that means complete, <clears throat> thoroughly furnished unto all good works. <clears throat> if my voice is bothering you, it's not as much as it's bothering me. Let me, <clears throat> this is singer's saving grace right here. Tastes horrible. <clears throat> it's one of, those, <clears throat> one of those situations where the cure is worse than the malady. <clears throat> I said, preacher, what have you got? <clears throat> I've got a good case of having given it all. I gave it all this week. <clears throat> and uh, we are going to, I'm going to try to get, find my range here and uh, be able to speak in a way that can be heard. How's that? <clears throat> I know that <clears throat> Mr. O.C. back there by the name of Tyler wanted me to do this because he can't stand that being up there. All right. Very good. <clears throat> very, very good. All right. <clears throat> In your bulletin. In your bulletin, please notice with me. The very bottom of the right-hand side, the blessed hope. Dr. M.R. DeHaan, he was uh, the radio Bible uh, class teacher out of Grand Rapids, Michigan for years and years and years, pastor of a church. He was a medical doctor as well. There's only one hope for this world today. It is the blessed hope. Now look this way. <clears throat> we preach, we preach the book. That is the Bible. It's the book, capital B-O-O-K, the book, all right? We preach the Bible. We believe it. We preach <clears throat> the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanseth from all sin. We preach <clears throat> the new birth, the new birth. You've got to be born again. <clears throat> Number four, <clears throat> we preach the blessed hope, the blessed hope, and the blessed hope is that Jesus is coming back. We need to keep our eyes on the sky. One of these days, <clears throat> Jesus is going to split the eastern sky. And we're going to go home to be with him. <clears throat> I think about that song, What a Day It Will Be, that we sang as we began today. It was written by Jim Hill. If you are a follower of gospel music, uh, such as I am, 
<clears throat> you know Jim Hill's history. He was a gospel singer, great singer. He was <clears throat> one of those that during the 1990s and early 2000s, he would be on the Gaither Homecoming series, and he would sing. And uh, Jim Hill sang for years with various groups. I believe he sang with the Stamps Quartet and uh, other groups as well. <clears throat> but there is coming a day when no heartache shall come. Anybody here have a heartache? There's coming a day when there won't be any more heartaches. There won't be any more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. And all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day. <clears throat> Glorious day that will be. The picture on the front of your bulletin is that of a heavenly honeymoon. <clears throat> Song of Solomon chapter 2. And I want us to turn there. Song of Solomon chapter 2. I would like to read from this book. Now you understand when we were kids coming up in Sunday school, <clears throat> there might have been an old teacher that said, uh, you kids don't read Song of Solomon because there's specific references in there to uh, intimacy. They might have given you the idea that there was something wrong with the book. There's nothing wrong with the book. Every single word of the Bible, that includes Song of Solomon, is inspired. <clears throat> Every single word of the book is preserved. And I want you to remember this and never forget this. Write it down at the beginning of Song of Solomon. <clears throat> number one, <clears throat> number one application of Song of Solomon is that it speaks about married love. Married love. Number two, it is symbolic. So it's actual and it's symbolic. It is symbolic of the relationship between Jesus Christ and those of us who make up the bride, the believers. That's very important. And number three, Song of Solomon teaches us about prophecy truth, prophetic truth, things that are going to happen in the future. <clears throat> I'm glad that God didn't leave us in the dark, but instead he has given us the light. And I know <clears throat> there's a better day coming. My question to you, what preparations have you made? Got to get saved. Got to get your family saved. Got to get your neighbors saved. Joyce Lucas, praise the Lord. God bless you, Joyce. She brought her neighbor, drove her an hour from Newport Ritchie on a Wednesday night through traffic to bring her to hear her preacher preach. And Denise got saved. Do you care that much? You care about your neighbors. See, I don't even know my neighbors. Why don't you go meet your neighbors today? Take them a copy <clears throat> of this bulletin. On the back is the plan of salvation. Just say, I'd, li I'd like to introduce my church. I'd like to introduce my people, my preacher. And on the back, I want you to read that and do what it says. Why don't you do that today? I want you to think about it now. How hard would that be? <clears throat> go next door. Go down the block. Talk to somebody. And say, I was just thinking about you. I wanted to share something with you. And be positive with them and loving and caring. Because isn't that what Valentine's Day and isn't that what February is all about? There's lots of themes in February. In February we've got, <clears throat> we've got President's uh, Birthdays. We've got President's Day. Uh, we've got Valentine's Day. We've got Black History Month. 
<clears throat> there's a lot of things in February. But let's stay focused on what's really important. You are an individual, and you're important to God. And your spirit, which is the real you, is going to spend eternity somewhere. Either in heaven or sadly in hell. You'll live forever in heaven. You'll exist and burn forever in hell if you're not saved. And your neighbors, <clears throat> family, friends, they're going to live forever in heaven or they're going to burn forever in hell. You say, that's old-fashioned. I'm old-fashioned. I plead guilty. I believe people still <clears throat> get saved by an old-fashioned gospel. They live by believing an old-fashioned Bible. We make an old-fashioned difference. First century Christianity for 21st century confusion. That's what we need. That's the answer. First century Christianity. So I don't know if they'd let me in. <clears throat> Wear your mask. Stand six feet away from them. Hand them the bulletin. Ask them to read. Ask them to read the back page. Ask them to do what it, sa what it says on there. Check back on them. Call them up on the phone. Just drip on them a little bit. Let's make a difference. Amen? All right. Song of Solomon, <clears throat> chapter 2, beginning of verse number 10. My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of birds is come. And the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree putteth forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Father, fill me now with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the, the folks who have uh, covered for me while I've been gone this last week. Lord, I want to thank you for Ryan, who's so faithful and is here for the services. I thank you for Tyler and Ed and Gabe, who filled the pulpit so ably. Thank you for each one who taught their class and ran their bus and, uh, and, and assumed their responsibility role. And I pray now, God, that you'll knit our hearts together in love as we learn from the Word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. There you have it. Wonderful passage of Scripture. And this passage of Scripture tells us about a relationship. Only way you and I are going to get to heaven is that we have a personal relationship with the Lord. Jesus Christ says this. Here, here's the relationship. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Here it is simply. You and I are worn down, worn out from this old sinful world. There are people here <clears throat> that are what we consider to be good friends, good people as far as that goes. But there are some folks and some activities and schedules and some trials, tribulations, and problems that are common to all of us. And what that does is it wears you down and wears you down and wears you down. And finally, <clears throat> after 70, 80, 90 years, you go home. You leave this place. What, what do you need in the meantime? You need to have... The, uh, the help of the Lord. He's our strength. You need to have the hope 
of the Lord because he is the one that we come to. He says, come unto me. And we need that, that heavenly honeymoon, that heavenly honeymoon. Come away, he says. Come away. I don't have a problem with the Song of Solomon. I know that it's specific, and I know that um, <clears throat> some of the folks who have read it, they say, you know, there's a, there's a lot about romance and intimacy in there. And there is. There is. <clears throat> and because Satan and the flesh in this world are so wicked, and because they presented intimacy and romance outside of the bonds of holy matrimony, now we have the impression that all of that is somehow tainted and dirty. That's just how wicked Satan is. I hate him. I, hate, I don't mind telling you that. It's okay for you to hate the devil. Hate the devil. He's the one that causes all the misery. He's the one that causes all the problems. God's still in control, but Satan is the one that causes all the mess. And I hate him. I hate all the demons of hell. I hate the world system. Not the world, but the world system. I hate the flesh nature that causes us to yield to the world and to the devil. And because of that, <clears throat> what should be beautiful and pure and lovely has been tainted and made to look ugly. Listen to me, kids. There's nothing wrong with godly romance. There's nothing wrong with godly intimacy, but it's supposed to be in marriage only. And don't be mad with your parents because they crack on you and they give you rules. Those rules are for your own good. And I know that you may not understand it. You may not say, thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. But it's for your own good. They want you to have a godly life. Anybody that's done it the wrong way, <clears throat> I don't want to embarrass them, but they'd stand up and they'd say, don't do this before marriage. Don't do this outside of the bonds of holy matrimony. They would give you their own testimony if they could. I know it gets awful quiet when the preacher starts talking about these things. I don't want you to assume that uh, everybody in this room is perfect. We're all sinners saved by grace. But I want you to know that one area of your life that God wants you to have joy, God wants you to have fulfillment, is the area of godly romance and godly intimacy. And that's in holy matrimony. So when mom and dad say, this is the pool, this is the group from which you can choose your friends and your associations, don't get mad with them. They're doing what's right. When they say, these are the people that you can court or marry, don't get mad with them. You say, well, I'll just go out and live on my own. There's all kinds of ways to be stupid, and that's one of them. It's way high up on the list. Your mom and your dad and, and the workers in this church and this preacher care about you. We care about your soul. We care about your future and your fulfillment. That's what this is all about. I said also it's symbolic. And go over to Ephesians with me, if you would, please. Ephesians <clears throat> chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. We usually start with 
verse 18, which says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. God never intended that you become a fall-down drunkard, so stay away from that stuff. But the illustration is there that if you are controlled by alcohol, that means your thinking, <clears throat> your vision, your, your walk, your balance, everything is affected by that influence. You know what I'm talking about. Those of you that have been delivered from it, you know what I'm talking about. But just as importantly on the positive side, we ought to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. He dwells inside of every born-again believer. And you ought to yield to him. He is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. So we should be talking to God, the Spirit, and saying, I want you to control my life. I want you to direct my life. All right, so there it is. <clears throat> be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you get the impression from this that Christians ought to be outward, overt, expressive about their Christianity. And I say amen to that. We should not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. We should not be ashamed of the fact that He's changed us and made us brand new. And we ought to be controlled by the Spirit of God in how we think and how we see and how we walk and how we talk just like a person would be controlled if they were under the influence. We are we're controlled by the Spirit of God. Now let me say about our actual homes, our marriages. The reason we don't always do right is because we try to figure it out. We try to direct it. We try to make it go a certain direction. It's going to be this way. I mean, even some guys who may have the mechanics right have the spirit wrong. You ever heard that before? Is it, <clears throat> I'm the boss. Under my roof, it's going to be this way. It's going to be my way or the highway. I already told you about one form of stupid. This is the second form of stupid. That's not my outline. But that, that's one way, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it, guys? Isn't it? You can't. I'm going to insist on that. You have no concept of the symbolism of Ephesians chapter 5 and of Song of Solomon chapter 2. The symbolism is this. Jesus Christ has given us an example. How does he treat his bride? Does he do my way or the highway? No. Not at all. No. Never forget when Nell Hancock went to be with Jesus. We were visiting out on the West Coast. Of course, time's three hours difference. Middle of the night, I get a phone call from Doc. Doc Hancock. He'd been down in Florida. He was preaching meetings, and Nell had gone with him. And I'm the first one he called. Called me before he called his kids. He said, Brad, I can't wake her up. I can't wake her up, Brad. She won't wake up. And I ministered to him the best I could. What a role reversal. Try to help him through. I said, Doc, let me know where, when and where to be and I'll be there. I get on the next plane. It was just a matter of days I was there. And he said, Brad, we're putting together a memorial service. 
He says, I want you to sing a song because the loveliness of Jesus Christ was reflected in Nell's life. I want you to sing this song. I said, sure, Doc, whatever you say. I never heard that song in my life, let alone I didn't know it. I had to learn that song. The loveliness, the loveliness of Christ. Think about it. <clears throat> one of these days, one of these days, prophetically, we're going to be caught up. This beauty <clears throat> of the loveliness of Christ should, should pervade our testimony, our life, our personality. How we talk to each other. How we treat each other. We should be controlled by the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody give me an amen. It's getting awful quiet in here. <clears throat> amen. Say, preacher, what's in that spray? I don't know. Feeling better and better all the time. <laughs> Nothing bad. Some kind of bark, I think. I'm not sure. All right. <clears throat> Verse 21, Ephesians 5. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Such awesome respect for God causes us to submit to one another. You say, I always thought submission meant that you're just kind of pushed under the thumb and you got to just, you know, be a slave to the slave driver. Wrong. Submitting means letting go and let God have his way. And we husbands have to lead the way. We have to submit. You say, who do I submit to? God. We have to submit to the role that God has given us. And that is to be a godly, loving, sacrificial leader. That's it. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Ladies, <clears throat> some of you are saying, if I never hear another message on submission, it won't be too soon. Now, some preachers probably hammer that home, drive it into the ground. But you know what? It's a joy <clears throat> to submit to the will of God. And that in marriage and in any other area of your life, men and women, we submit to God. That's it. That's it. Wives, <clears throat> submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. And you say, that's not politically correct. I don't care if it's politically correct. It's biblically correct. And I know your, your husband, ladies, probably not sinlessly perfect. I just, pretty good guess there, huh? Not sinlessly perfect. Doesn't always make the right choice, does he? What does it say to do? It says to submit. Remember who we're really submitting to. Jesus. That's right. In our role, whatever that role might be. And Jesus Christ is the Savior of the body. All right? Look on verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands, not somebody else's, in everything. Husbands love your wives. That's a commandment. You notice <clears throat> no place in this passage are the women commanded to love their husbands. Do you want to know why? Because that comes naturally. These women that God has given us, these precious ladies, love us not because of, but in spite of. 
comes natural. That's the, way, that's the way you're wired, ladies. You're wired to love that husband even when he's not perfect. But we husbands are so full of pride in ourselves that elsewhere in Colossians it says, husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. So I'm preaching to the husbands right now and to those that will be husbands someday. Do what God says. You say, I don't know that I can't. Go back to verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit. And you can love like you ought to. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Sacrificial love. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Whew. I have nothing but good memories from our courtship, our honeymoon, and our life together. Nothing but good memories. And that's because God is good. And when we yield to God, there's nothing but good. Nothing but good. So oh, what about those trials, those tribulations, those bad times? God will use those to help us to become all that we ought to be. And when we went through hard times, didn't we, sweetie? We pulled together, not apart. And we looked to Jesus and not to other people. We didn't go outside to other sources for comfort in times of difficulty. You say, what kind of difficulty did you have? Did you beat her? No, she didn't beat me. I didn't beat her. I'm talking about when the world and the flesh and the devil beat on you, beat on you, beat on you, and you're worn down. This passage in Ephesians goes along with Song of Solomon. Because Song of Solomon is an actual marriage manual. And it is a spiritual eye-opener. We are in this as believers in a relationship with our Savior, husband, Jesus Christ. And this is also prophetic. The reference is made in Song of Solomon to the time of winter being passed. There are four seasons. Some of you would be winter people. You like the snow. You like the cold. <clears throat> you like the clouds. You can have it. It is cozy. I enjoy a cozy day. But that's all it is. It's miserable to drive in that stuff. <clears throat> in our former pastorate in California, the weather was good most of the time. We had a couple of months out of the year that were rainy and nasty, sometimes three or four months rest of the time was dry and warm. 
I came home one night. I had preached my heart out. We'd had souls saved, and we had people in, down front. It was a very responsive church and ministry. And I was sitting there in that chair next to the telephone in the bedroom. phone rang, and I picked it up. And a voice I'd never heard before said, this is so-and-so from such-and-such such a place, Alaska. I said, really? He said, yes, we've got your tapes. In those days they had cassette tapes of my preaching. I have no idea how they got my cassette tapes. He says, we're without a pastor. And so for the past six weeks, we've been listening to your tapes. And we voted tonight unanimously to call you as pastor. I said, well, that certainly is an honor. I have no idea who you are, what you're all about. He said, now, there's just one thing. Anybody who comes to pastor us has to be able to take long periods of cold and darkness. <clears throat> and I said, I don't believe that's God's will. <laughs> no, I said something else. But anyway, I said I'd pray and I said, listen, I could probably give you the name of somebody that would like to come be your pastor. Thank you. It's an honor to have been considered. But uh, I've just never been a fan of cold weather. Don't like it. During my teenage years, we lived in Minnesota, and I'm glad we did because that's where I met her, my sweet wife. But I can remember walking to school because, I mean, the snow had come down and things were impassable. It was like walking in a tunnel. The snow was piled up on both sides of the street. It's like walking down a tunnel to school. And uh, in Minnesota, <clears throat> that's considered normal. Half the year they fish through ice up there. Maybe not half the year, but a couple of months out of the year. And they, can, they drive right out on the lake and they, you know, they drill a hole and they fish through it. And that's it. Never been made for cold weather. Don't like it. I'm a summer person. Some of you are springtime people. Some of you are fall people. You like, you like when the leaves fall and they crunch under your feet and you can smell the leaves burning and, and uh, all that stuff. Football and all the stuff that goes with that season of the year. But here we have winter being presented as a time that is past. And for just a moment, consider winter a negative Consider it the thing that is past, that's behind you. There's coming a day when Jesus is going to come back like we sang. He's going to call us to himself. He's going to take us out of the winter of this tribulation and trial and sin and difficulties and challenges. And he's going to take us to a place where there's never going to be any more pain or sorrow. And no, more, no more disappointment. And I won't be a disappointment and you won't be a disappointment. And I know God, the Lord Jesus, won't be a disappointment. All the evil and the ignorance and the violence and the junk in this, in this world is going to be gone. Praise God for that truth. Frank Giebelein, who was the son of one of the translators of the, uh, not translators, but rather the writers of the, of the uh, Schofield reference notes, the 1917 edition, his father was Arno C. Gabeline, and Frank Gabeline was a Bible teacher. And Frank used to say this, and this is a key. He would say the Jew is the key to prophecy. And I believe the Jew is the key to history. 
I believe the Jew is the key to what's going on right now. I believe the Jew is the key to what's going to happen out in the future. That's it. And God's people need to make sure we take good care of Israel. Make sure we stand up for Israel. You say, well, they're not all believers. They're, they're Christ deniers. My Bible t tells me in the back of the Old Testament that a day is coming when they will look on him whom they have pierced and they will believe as in a day. They'll believe on Jesus. Yeshua Messiah is going to be their Savior. It's going to be a wonderful, glorious day. In the Old Testament, that group of people is known as the Bride of God. In the New Testament, those of us who are saved the Bible way, we're called the Bride of Christ. There's going to be a time in the future when there's going to be all these things reconciled to God, to himself. I'm very thankful that that day is coming, and it could be today. It could be any time. Rapture will take place. We'll be caught away at any moment. And God has given us grace to get through this time of affliction. And by grace, we've been saved. By grace, we've been kept. By grace, we've been satisfied and fulfilled. Everything we've read about has to do with that. And by grace, he's going to take us home one of these days. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed, and nobody looking. And how many of you t today would say, Preacher, something in the Word of God, something in the message spoke to my heart today. Slip your hand up high. Amen. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing a verse or two or several verses of a hymn. Here's what I'd like you to do. If you're saved... You know that you're part of God's great prophetic plan. You know that he's going to take you, but you're concerned about souls. You're concerned about your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your fellow students, people that you're acquainted with. I want you to make your way down here and have a word of prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I know when the rapture takes place, I'm going, but I sure want my loved ones. I want my friends. I want my co-workers. I want my neighbors to go. Would you do that today? Would you come down, have a word of prayer, and go back to your seat? Maybe there's something in your life you need to pray about, maybe some, some sin or maybe some hesitancy on your part to live the Christian life. You'd like to come confess it. That's just between you and the Lord. I want you to come from where you are. Maybe you haven't been winning souls like you ought to, or you want to win more souls. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit of God, so that what you say and what you do will bring the lost to Jesus. And I want you to come down here too. We've been talking about marriage. Maybe you and your spouse want to come down. Have a word of prayer and say, Lord Jesus, would you put your blessing on our marriage, on our home? Would you help us as we try to live for you and try, try to allow you to have your way in our marriage, in our relationship? Maybe you've got family. You've got kids, grandkids. Who knows? Would you come and have a word of prayer? about the family, about the home, about those that might be straying, that need a good witness, a good help, some love. I'm wondering if also there might be some that aren't even in the family of God right now because you've never been saved. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're not sure that heaven is your home, would you pray from your heart right now? I'm going to ask every person here, if you're not 100% sure that heaven is your home, I want you to pray right now. Pray silently. Pray from your heart to God and mean it.
Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Take me to heaven when I die.